This is Foothill Family Church with Mike Webb. Building strong, spirit-filled lives through God's Word. Well, let's, let's go through them. The church is raptured. Then tribulation begins. The first half of the tribulation, the 144,000 do their work. Then the, at the halfway point of the tribulation, three and a half year mark of the tribulation period, then the great multitude is raptured. Then five months later, the 144,000 are raptured. And when all three groups are in heaven, it talks about the marriage supper of the Lamb. Verse 7 of Revelation 19. Uh, well, verse 6. And I heard, as it were, the voice of a great multitude, and as the voice of many waters, and as the voice of mighty thundering, saying, Alleluia, for the Lord God omnipotent reigneth. Let us be glad and rejoice, and give honor to him, for the marriage of the Lamb is come. And his wife has made herself ready. And to her was granted that she should be arrayed in fine linen, clean and white, for the fine linen is the righteousness of the saints. The word righteousness means righteous acts. It doesn't talk, it's not talking about a nature. It's not talking about a condition. It's talking about righteous acts. It's talking about works. Now, can I ask you a question? Are you made righteous by your works or by the blood of Jesus? Well, then this can't be talking about the church. Jesus doesn't get married to the church. How can you get any closer to Jesus than being in him anyway? See, going to heaven doesn't change the fact that you are in Christ now. It's not that we're in Christ yet, but that's not a real being in Christ. But when we get to heaven, then he marries us. That's not how it works. The church isn't the bride. The church isn't the wife. We are invited to and participate in the marriage supper of the Lamb, but we're not the bride. Keep that in mind. We'll cover that in time. Verse 9, And he said unto me, Right, blessed are they which are called to the marriage supper of the Lamb. Now let me ask you a question. If we're the wife, why would we be blessed to be called to the marriage supper? I mean, we belong there, don't we? Again, he's not talking about the church. Blessed are they which are called unto the marriage supper of the Lamb. And he said unto me, these are the true sayings of God. Now, immediately following that, now we don't know how long that lasts. That could last up until the last part of the tribulation period. But the next thing that we see is Jesus coming back. Now, there's something that happens in between then. And that is primarily in Revelation chapter 16. It talks about the last month of the tribulation period and the plagues that take place right at the end of tribulation. In the last month of tribulation, it speaks of boils on all those that have a mark, a real painful experience. The Bible calls it a noisome and grievous. It means evil and hurtful thing. It talks about the oceans now becoming totally blood. Now, for 30 days, pretty much all the water on the earth turns to blood. The oceans turn to blood. Then the domestic waters, the rivers, and the fountains totally turn to blood. Now, that may not mean worldwide, but it certainly means that part of the world. It says the heat of the sun is increased. This is Revelation 16, verses 8 and 9, that scorches people. Now, we don't know if something happens to the sun itself or something happens to the atmosphere where the rays of the sun affect people, but it's, you don't want to go outside. Then total darkness comes over the Antichrist kingdom. Then it says the Euphrates River is dried up. Another plague takes place and the Euphrates River is dried up. That's important because of this. The Bible speaks of a 200 million man army that comes from the east. That can only be China. China is the only possibility for that. And it's attempt, China's attempt to get their 200 million man army to the place where God says he's going to finally deal with everything, and that's in the Valley of Megiddo at the Battle of Armageddon. The only way for them to get there is to cross over what the Euphrates River 
makes impossible. So except that the river dries up, they can't get to where they need to be. So that's one of the things that happens right at the end. Then finally, thunders, lightnings, and a great earthquake. Uh, This is in Revelation chapter 16. Let me read this to you. Verse 18, it says, And there were voices and thunders and lightnings, and there was a great earthquake such as as was not since men were upon the earth, so mighty an earthquake and so great. And the great city was divided into three parts. And the cities of the nation fell, and great Babylon came into remembrance before God to give her the cup of the wine of the fierceness of his wrath. And every island fled away, and the mountains were not found. And there fell upon men a great hail out of heaven, every stone about the weight of a talent. That's 130 pounds. Isaiah chapter 13, verse 13, says that the, move, the earth was moved, this earthquake was so great that the earth was moved out of its place. Now, what does that mean? Some have, have speculated that means that the earth, which is on a tilted axis, is set back upright. We don't know, but we know that places disappear. We know that cities disappear. We know that uh, that the city of Jerusalem disappears or or is broken into three parts. Excuse me, it doesn't disappear. It's broken into three parts. This is an earthquake like there has never been. This is from the very foundation, the very center of the earth. Now, that being the case, then it tells us about the final day of tribulation. There are five things that happen on the final day of tribulation. This is back in Revelation chapter 19. This is when Jesus comes back to the earth. And I saw heaven opened and beheld a white horse. And he that sat upon him was called faithful and true. And in righteousness does he judge and make war. His eyes were as a flame of fire and on his head were many crowns. And he had a name written that no man knew but he himself. And he was clothed with a vesture dipped in blood. And his name is called the word of God. Any doubt who this is? It's got to be Jesus. And the armies which were in heaven followed him upon white horses clothed in fine linen white and clean. Now this is where Jesus comes back. This is called the great and terrible day of the Lord. This is not what the Bible refers to when it's talking about the rapture. And here's where people get mixed up. A lot of times people think that when it talks about the great and terrible day of the Lord, that's got to be the same thing of the rapture. And that's why some people think that we're only going to be raptured at the end of the tribulation. That's not what it's saying. It's saying that Jesus comes back for the church. That's a great time. That's a wonderful time. That's something that we look forward to. But when he comes back on the great and terrible day of the Lord, the Bible says that the nations will mourn. Hold your finger here. We'll come back to Revelation 19, but turn with me to Matthew 24 again. Verse 27. For as the lightning comes out of the east and shines even unto the west, so also shall the coming of the Son of Man be. For wheresoever the carcass is, there will the eagles be gathered together. Now notice verse 29. Immediately after the tribulation of those days shall the sun be darkened and the moon shall not give her light and the stars shall fall from heaven and the powers of the heavens shall be shaken. Now that's what Jesus is talking about that Revelation explains. Where darkness covers the Antichrist kingdom. Remember in Joel's prophecy it talks about the sun going black and the moon turning to blood. That's what this is talking about. It's talking about the end of the tribulation period. Notice it says, then, verse 30, then shall appear the sign of the Son of Man in heaven, and then shall all the tribes of the earth mourn. And when Jesus comes back for the church, I don't know about you, but I'm going to be kind of glad about that. And the earth is going to be glad. The people that are left are going to be glad because now we're gone. They can finally do what they want to do, and the Antichrist can do his thing and all that kind of stuff. We, the church, are the only thing keeping the Antichrist from being revealed now, the Bible says. So the, the rapture is a joyous time for everybody, for different reasons, for different people, but it's a joyous time, but not at the end. 
Not when Jesus comes back at the end of the tribulation. And then shall appear the sign of the Son of Man in heaven, and then shall all the tribes of the earth mourn, and they shall see the Son of Man coming in the clouds of heaven with power and great glory. And he shall send his angels with a great sound of a trumpet, and they shall gather together his elect from the four winds, from one end of heaven, not earth, but one end of heaven unto the other. Now, folks, if he's talking about the elect meaning the church, which that's the only thing the elect ever means, how is he going to gather the elect from heaven if we're not already in heaven? Now learn the parable of the fig tree. When his branch is yet tender and puts forth his leaves, you know the summer is nigh. So likewise, when you shall see all these things, know that it is near even at the doors. What's he saying? He's saying the last signs that you're going to get is going to be when the sun goes dark. And that's when Jesus comes back. Now when Jesus comes back on the great and terrible day of the Lord, what happens? Well, remember we talked about the two witnesses. These guys minister for three and a half years, and man, they are the super thorn. They are a mega thorn in the side of the Antichrist. Because he tries to destroy them, and they just breathe fire out of their mouth and, and kill the people that he sends after them. They can't, uh, he can't do anything against them. He says one thing, they say another, and their way proves out to be right. This guy is shown to be a total, an absolute failure for three and a half years. But... Three and a half days before um, the end of the tribulation period, he kills these guys. They leave them out in public for three and a half days. But then the Bible says the Spirit of God comes back in them and they come back to life. I just love how God does this. So these guys are resurrected and then they're caught up into heaven. They're caught up into the air and they meet Jesus as he comes down. They go up and come immediately back down with Jesus to the earth. And then the Bible tells us about the final battle. Back to Revelation chapter 19. Verse 14. And the armies which were in heaven followed him upon white horses clothed in fine linen, white and clean. And out of his mouth goes a sharp sword that, he, that with it he should smite the nations and he should rule them with a rod of iron. He treadeth the winepress of the fierceness and the wrath of Almighty God. And he hath on his vesture and on his thigh a name written, The King of kings and Lord of lords. And I saw an angel standing in the sun and he cried with a loud voice saying to all the fowls that, come, that fly in the midst of heaven come and gather yourselves together unto the supper of the great God that you may eat the flesh of kings and the flesh of captains and the flesh of mighty men this is almost a, a, a restatement of the way that it says in Exodus 39 about the war that starts the tribulation you shall eat the flesh of kings and the flesh of captains and the flesh of mighty men and the flesh of horses and of them that sit on them and the flesh of all men, both free and bond, both small and great. And I saw the beast and the kings of the earth and their armies gathered together to make war against him that sat on the horse and against his army. And the beast was taken and with him the false prophet that wrought miracles before him which, with which he deceived them that had received the mark of the beast and them that worshipped his image. These both were cast alive into the lake of fire burning with brimstone. And the remnant which were slain with the sword of them which sat upon the horse, whose sword proceeded out of his mouth, and all the fowls were filled with their flesh. Now I'm going to read from Zechariah chapter 14. Because this talks about the end time, it talks about the war, and then it also talks a little bit about the millennium period. Rebel or Zechariah chapter 14, verse 3. 
It says, Then shall the Lord go forth and fight against those nations as when he fought in the day of battle. Remember we read in in, uh, chapter 16, verse 18, about the great earthquake, and it divided uh, the great city in three parts. This is, Zechariah is going to give us some more detail about what happens when Jesus comes back. When Jesus comes back in glory, the two witnesses are caught up to meet him in the air. They come back to the earth. Jesus sets his foot on the Mount of Olives, and that's when the great earthquake takes place that causes the earth to be moved out of her place. Let me show it to you. Zechariah 14, verse 3, Then shall the Lord go forth and fight against those nations as when he fought in the day of battle. Verse 4, And his feet shall stand upon that day, stand in that day upon the Mount of Olives, which is before Jerusalem on the east on the Mount of Olives, shall cleave in the midst thereof toward the east and toward the west, and there shall be a great valley, and half of the mountain shall remove toward the north and half of it toward the south. And you shall flee to the valley of the mountains, for the valley of the mountains shall reach unto Azal. Yea, you shall flee like as you fled uh, from before the earthquake in the days of Uzziah, king of Judah, and the Lord my God shall come and all the saints with thee. Notice the Old Testament said we're coming back too. We come back with him. We don't meet him in the air. We did that at the rapture seven years earlier. Now we come back with him. Folks, do you realize that you're going to be fighting in this battle? Otherwise, there's no reason for you to come back. If Jesus is coming back to fight in the battle of Armageddon, if you're not there to fight, what are you doing there? Why wouldn't he leave you in heaven and say, now, boys, watch this. See the point? And it shall come to pass in that day that the light shall not be clear nor dark, but it shall be one day which shall be known to the Lord, not day nor night, but it shall come to pass that at evening time it shall be light. In other words, the earth went dark, but now everything is lighted by Jesus himself. And it shall be in that day that living waters shall go out from Jerusalem, half of them toward the former sea and half of them toward the hinder sea. In summer and in winter shall it be. And the Lord shall be king over all the earth. And in that day there shall be one Lord and his name one. This is talking about the millennium, the thousand year reign. And all the land shall be turned in as, as a plain from Geba to Rimmon, south of Jerusalem. And it shall be lifted up and inhabited in their place from Benjamin's gate unto the place of the first gate, unto the corner gate and from the tower of Hanel, or something, under the king's winepress. And the men shall dwell in it. There shall be no more destruction, utter destruction, but Jerusalem shall be safely inhabited. Now he's going to tell you how the war is fought. Verse 12. And this shall be the plague wherewith the Lord shall smite all the people that have fought against Jerusalem. Their flesh shall consume away as they stand upon their feet, and their eyes shall consume away in their holes, and their tongue shall consume away in their mouth. Now we've seen this in Raiders of the Lost Ark. Where do you think they got that? This is where they got that idea for that scene. This is exactly what God does to destroy the people that come against him. Now, who is this? This is the Antichrist. This is the false prophet. This is all of their armies, the nations that they control and the armies that they put together over the last seven years. Plus, it's the 200 million man army from the east that comes over the river, the dry riverbed that used to be the Euphrates River. They're all gathered together in that one valley of Megiddo in Israel, and they're destroyed. The Bible says that there is such destruction that the, 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 the blood rises up, reaches the level of the horse's bridles. Where does that come from? Because everybody's melting away. Now, folks, I want you to understand how God fights. That's why he's able to take you and me with him. Join Mike Webb and Foothill Family Church every Sunday night at 6 p.m. for our weekly healing school. 
Healing School is for those who are in need of being healed from sickness in their body, as well as those who want to strengthen their faith in the area of healing. Faith begins where the will of God is known. Here's why the Word of God is the power of God, because it reveals God's will. When you can find God's words on a subject, whether it's healing, whether it's finances, whether it's peace, whatever area you have need of, you find what God's Word says, you've just found God's will in that area. Foothill Family Church is in Orange County at the corner of Bake Parkway and Lake Forest Drive, just minutes off the 5 Freeway. To learn more about how you and your family can connect with Foothill Family Church, simply log on to MikeWeb.tv. Back to Revelation. So we see the rapture of the two witnesses on the final day. We see Jesus return with the church. We see the battle of Armageddon. We see the Antichrist and the false prophet thrown in the lake of fire. And then in chapter 20 in verse 1, it says, And I saw an angel come down from heaven having the key of the bottomless pit and a great chain in his hand. And he laid hold on the dragon, that old serpent, which is the devil, and Satan. Notice give Satan four names. Dragon, serpent, the devil, and Satan. And bound him a thousand years. And cast him into the bottomless pit and shut him up. (laughs) I like that part. And shut him up. And set a seal upon him that he should deceive the nations no more till the thousand years should be fulfilled. And after that he must be loosed a little season. And I saw thrones and they that sat upon them and judgment was given to them. That's the church. We're kings and priests unto God. And I saw the souls of them that were beheaded for the witness of Jesus. These are the martyrs. And for the word of God, in which had not worshipped the beast, neither his image, neither had received his mark upon their foreheads or their hands. And they lived and reigned with Christ a thousand years. So you're going to have tribulation martyrs that are going to reign too with the church. But the rest of the dead lived not again until the thousand years were finished. This is the first resurrection. So Jesus lives and operates here on the earth. And the Bible says he rules with a rod of iron. But Zechariah continues and talks about the, the penalty for those that don't obey during that thousand-year reign. It says that everybody's commanded to come to Jerusalem to worship once a year. Now, there are nations of the earth that, that have not been greatly affected by the plagues and by all the, the stuff that happened in Europe and the Middle East. That may be America, too. There, there's a lot of the rest of the world that's not uh, uh, so greatly affected by the tribulation events. I mean, everybody's affected some. You can't live here and not be affected, but you understand what I mean, I hope. And as a result, it says that those people are going to be ruled over and reigned for a thousand years. Now, what happens in those thousand years? Well, the Bible says that if anybody dies at a hundred years old, they're going to be considered a baby. They'll lament, how could somebody die so young? The population will continue to increase. The earth will replenish itself. Everything will come back to normal over those thousand years. And then the devil is released once again. Now, now think, think this through for a second. If you're on the earth and you don't believe in Jesus. My natural thinking, and maybe, this, maybe I think this way because of the life of God inside of me, because not everybody does this. But my thinking on this is people are going to look around and say, man, we've never had this so good. There's no war. There's no strife. There's no racial division. There's no gender equality. Man, this Jesus guy being in charge, this is really cool. But that's not what people do. That's not what people do at all. They want to get out from under Jesus' rule. And that's the reason that he provides them the opportunity. We'll pick up in verse 7. And when the thousand years are expired, Satan shall be loosed out of his prison. Why? Because not everybody on the earth wants to be under God's control. 
Now that's fascinating to me. How does somebody with their eyes wide open, we're not talking about fairy tales, we're not talking about believing something you can't see, we're talking about what you're experiencing day after day for a thousand years. How does somebody not want to have that continue? But Satan is loosed at the end of the thousand years. And he shall go out to deceive the nations which are in the four quarters of the earth, Gog and Magog, to gather them together to battle. And the number of whom is as the sand of the sea. Why? Because a thousand years everybody's been remultiplying and repopulating the earth. And they went up onto the breadth of the earth and compassed the camp of the saints about and the beloved city, that's Jerusalem, and fire came down from God out of heaven and devoured them. Please notice how God fights. This is not an arm wrestling match between God and the devil. This is not God struggling to see if he can overcome. It wasn't in the beginning when he cast him out of heaven. It's not now and it won't be at the end. And I've got to tell you something, folks. God keeps setting the devil up and letting him go. I think he likes whipping his butt. And the devil that deceived them, verse 10, was cast into the lake of fire and brimstone where the beast and the false prophet are and shall be tormented day and night forever and ever. Here's the final thing we'll go over this morning. Verse 11, And I saw a great white throne, and him that sat on it, from whose face the earth and the heaven fled away, and there was found no place for them. And I saw the dead, small and great, stand before the Lord. I love that phrase. I saw the dead, small and great. You might be somebody here on the earth, but you're going to be dead when you stand before the, God, before the Lord. That's all there is. That's the only designation there is, and that's the dead. Now, these are not the righteous dead. These are the wicked dead. We read a verse of Scripture in verse 5. It says, this is the first resurrection. The first resurrection are all those saints. You remember the dead in Christ rise first when Jesus comes back to the church. Then the the tribulation martyrs are are, uh, restored and they reign during the millennium. So you see those that were righteous dead that have already been raised. These now are only the wicked dead. And I saw the dead, small and great, stand before God. And the books were opened. And another book was opened, which is the book of life. And the dead were judged out of those things which were written in their books according to their works. Now, folks, I want you to understand something. There's a difference between the rewards of the church and the great white throne judgment. The Bible says, Jesus said, talking to the church, talking to his believers, his followers, he said that the things that we do here on the earth that, are not for, that don't have any value, eternal value, shall burn up. They'll be tried in the fire. The things that are eternal shall be tried like gold and silver and precious stones. And those things that are just natural, those things that we did that did not have any eternal value shall burn up like wood, hay, and stubble. You remember that? That has nothing to do with the great white throne judgment. There is no judgment for the church. Ever. Period. This is not the church. And at that great white throne judgment, this is when the wicked shall have to answer for why they didn't make Jesus the Lord of their lives. And that's why they're examined according to their works. Because you're going to have a lot of people that are going to stand there and claim that they should have a right to some future. Why? Well, because I was a good person. So they're judged according to their works, 
But notice the book of life is opened. There's nobody in this group at the great white throne judgment that's name's going to be in the book of life. That book of life was only for the church. That book of life is something where every person's name was originally put. You can't be born into the earth without having your name written in the Lamb's book of life. But when you reject Jesus, your name is blotted out. That's why the Bible tells us that when the church stands before us, before the Lord, that's where he looks to see if the names were blotted out. But for the great white throne judgment, it's for the wicked to show them the book of life does not have your name. Why? Because it was blotted out through your choice, through your action, and nobody's works are going to be able to stand up in the face of righteousness. So they're going to be judged by themselves, not by God. And the sea and, uh, gave up the dead, verse 13, which were in it. And death and hell delivered up the dead, which were in them. So all those that have been in hell for whatever period of time in the past, now they're raised up. They face the same white throne judgment. And they were judged, every man according to their works. And death and hell were cast into the lake of fire. This is the second death. And whosoever was not found written in the book of life was cast into the lake of fire. They were cast into the lake of fire. Let me go to chapter 21. Just one, one verse here. And I saw a new heaven and a new earth. For the first heaven and the first earth were passed away. And there was no more sea. Turn with me to Second Peter chapter 3. But the day of the Lord. This is the day where Jesus comes back with us. The day of the Lord will come as a thief in the night in the which the heavens shall pass away with a great noise, and the elements shall melt with fervent heat, the earth also and the works that are therein shall be burned up. He's talking, it combines two different things. It's saying this is what it's like when Jesus comes back with the church to exact punishment upon the earth, and this is what it's like when the heavens and the earth melt and the new heavens and the earth are established. Now why should that matter to us? Notice what he concludes. Verse 11, Seeing then that all these things shall be dissolved, what manner of persons ought you to be in all holy conversation and godliness? Looking for and hastening unto the coming of the day of God, wherein the heavens shall be on, being on fire shall be dissolved, and the earth's elements shall melt with fervent heat. Nevertheless, we, according to his promise, look for new heavens and a new earth, wherein dwelleth righteousness. What's he saying? Seeing that these things are going to pass away. Folks, everything's going to melt. I want you to realize something. This is not some fairy tale. This is not the Easter Bunny. Since that's the case, since we know that this is what God said is going to happen, how ought we to live now? Should we pursue things that are going to burn up? Should we make the focus of our lives that which is going to be done away with and nobody will even remember? Or should we live for eternity? Should we recognize that our time here has purpose? Because these events are coming. And except somebody hears about Jesus and makes him the Lord of their lives, they won't escape him. That's why Jesus left us here, folks. That's the only reason Jesus didn't take us to heaven when we got saved. The only reason. Because he cares about other people. And he wants to care about other people through you and me. The Bible tells us that Jesus is coming back to receive us unto himself. This is known as the rapture. But the Bible also says that he's coming back for a glorious church. That means a church that's filled with the glory of God. That means a church that demonstrates the character and the nature of God. 
This is Foothill Family Church with Mike Webb. You're looking at the problems in your body or the problems in your finances. What do you see? So many people are waiting for God to do something on their behalf. And they've got the life of God in them all the time. How much more abundant does the life of God that caused you to be born again have to be for your situation to change? Join us Sundays at 9.30 a.m. and 6 p.m. or Wednesdays at 7 p.m. Visit us online at mikeweb.tv. Foothill Family Church, building strong, spirit-filled lives through God's Word.